0: Thank you. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Good morning. All right. Let me ask you a question. Do you have worship like this every week? Oh, my goodness. When you go to heaven, you're going to want to come home on the weekends, aren't you? Huh? <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to say, God, I'll go back. I'll come back, but just let me get the gateway. Just come on. Let me get in a little bit of that worship. Wow. Whew, that was truly wonderful. Let, 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 let's get acquainted. My name's John. What's your name? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. My wife, Margaret, and I have been married uh, 42 years. We have two children, both married, five grandchildren. How many of your grandparents? How many grandparents here? Okay, now, you that are raising your hands, you're going to understand exactly what I'm going to say. The rest of you have no clue. (laughs) Grandchildren are God's reward for you not killing your children. So let me, you just, you know, when you have those teenagers and you're saying, should I let them live? You know, I mean, what am I going to do here? Let, let, Let them live, let them live. Trust me. They'll give you a grandbaby and that first grandchild, you'll hold that baby in your arms, you'll say, this is the smartest, most beautiful baby in the world. There you are. Then you ask yourself a question. Why did intelligence skip a generation? I was at a large convention speaking, and, uh, and I told that story, and I forgot my son Joel was in the audience. <laughs> so when I'm done speaking, I go back to the green room, and he's waiting on me. He's, he's there. He's waiting on me, and I look at him, and he looks at me, and I said, now, Joel, honey, you, you knew I was kidding. I was having fun with the audience. You know, I, I was doing that. He said, no, 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 that's okay. He said, that's okay. In fact, he said, he said I think you're right. I said, You do? He said, I think you're right. He said, in fact, just last week, Grandpa and I had that very same discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I'm so glad to be with you, and, and Pastor Robert is a wonderful friend. You have, a, you have an um, unbelievable church. I know you know that, but what a, God has blessed you incredibly I have some books out there, and I've been signing uh, between services, in fact, I just got in a few moments ago because I've been signing, and let me just tell you, I've got just a few books out there you'd be interested in. This one is called Running with the Giants. In Hebrews, it talks about the fact when we're running the race, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, and what I do is in this book, I take 10 of those giants out of the crowd, Abraham, David, okay, I take them out of the crowd, and they run one lap with you, and they can only say one thing to you, so they tell you the essence of what they learned about God in their life. Now. This book will encourage you. So if you don't want to be encouraged, do not get this book, okay? It's just because it'll encourage you and it just, it just will mess your whole life up. You'll feel so good after that, okay? This is my newest book, A Leader's Heart. Um, this, is, this is a book you read one page a day, 360. It's a devotional. And uh, at, at the end of every page, you've got a place to kind of take some notes. But it talks about how to have a heart for God, how to have a leader's heart. And um, it, it's very helpful. Then, then I have a book on connecting. This is a book on how to connect with people. Uh, Everyone communicates, few connect. We all know some that, I mean, they they never connect. And this is how to relationally, communication-wise, connect with people. We all have sometimes people we want to do that with. That's what this book's about. When people say, what's the most life-changing book you've ever um, written? It's this one right here called Today Matters. In fact, I had a lady in the last service come up to me, said she read this six years ago. She said, my life has never been the same what I do is I talk about this. I talk about 12 things what I call the daily Dozen that you need to think about and do every day that will literally help to make your life what it really needs to be. Today matters. And then the most important thing, I was so glad they brought this, especially uh, with Father's Day coming and with graduations coming. This is the uh, Maxwell Leadership Bible. And of all the things I've ever done, this is the most important project. After pastoring for 25 years and teaching leadership, I took every leadership lesson I've ever taught biblically and I put it in here. There are 600 leadership lessons in here. Literally every page as you're reading the Bible, uh, you're just looking at it and there's a, there's a sidebar that'll give you a spiritual leadership. So if you love the word, want to be a spiritual leader, it's a great book. And I, in that last service, I, I signed a bunch of them for dads, for Father's Day and for graduation. So anyway, they're back there after the service. I'll go back and sign them and I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm going to have you watch a video clip before I teach. Um I I pastor, I, te- I I'm a teaching pastor at Christ Fellowship in West Palm Beach Florida. And a few months ago I was speaking on attitude. In fact I I was speaking on the very same subject I'm going to talk to you about in a, mo- in a moment. How to how to fill your mind correctly so you have li- live a fulfilled life. But in that setting what happened is I was I had a music stand with my stuff on it and the music stand wasn't stable and it kept falling. And you're going to just absolutely crack up. You're going to die. And and as you watch me, understand as this music stand doesn't cooperate and it it keeps falling in front of all these people. Get get the picture. I'm speaking on attitude. (laughs) And and, and they're watching my attitude. You know what I mean? It's one of those messages you want. You're trying to preach it, but while you're trying to preach it, they're watching you. So just enjoy the video clip, and then I'll, I'll teach the lesson. Let's go. What is your plan To pick up your Bible and your laminated cards and your old book. And then get in your Bible and find your place. (laughs) What is your plan? Well, I got it. I got it. All is well. All is well. I love the story of the guy who would go to work and... He'd open up his lunch and he'd complain. He said, oh, bologna sandwich again. I got a bologna, a bologna sandwich again. This is the fourth time this week I've had a bologna sandwich. I hate bologna sandwiches. And the guy beside me says, heal, heal. Heal. I hate cheap music stands, especially when they interrupt my story. I'm right in the middle of a great story. Look at this, Todd. Could could you talk to your dad about this? Oh, give me my give me the rubber band. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> oh, my get into the story now. Oh. get something you can depend on a thank you The message is on attitude. And I'm doing my best, I'm just doing my best. Just doing my best. You know the guy with the bologna sandwich? Forget it. Just forget it. You've got to come to tomorrow's service. I'm not saying it tonight. I am not saying it. I will say it tomorrow. <laughs> now, now the good news is I'm going to teach that lesson and I'll tell you the baloney sandwich, okay? The apostle Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4, that if we fill our mind correctly, our life will be one that is very fulfilled. And I wanna to talk to you about how to do that. Paul really teaches us here, and, and there's a passage of scripture in Ecclesiastes that's kind of foundational for us, and I, I want us to get that passage first. He says, wise thinking leads to right living, and stupid thinking leads to wrong living. Huh? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, absolutely. Let me define what an attitude is, because that's what we're going to talk about this morning. An attitude is the paintbrush of the mind. In other words, we hold the paintbrush, and we determine what we paint, what we put, the picture that we draw. We determine the picture in our mind. And the Apostle Paul, in Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4, he says, okay, let me explain to you what a fulfilled life looks like, okay? Let's look at the passage. He says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all that you meet, that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them. See that the Master is about to arrive. He could show up at any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. And Paul here in this short passage says, let me share with you what the fulfilled life looks like. Four things. Number one, people that are fulfilled celebrate God. People that are full of God and Fulfilled in their life, they have a sense of gratitude for what God has done for them, and they are continually in a habitual pattern of worship. They celebrate God. Number two, they add value to people. There are plus in peoples and their relationships, and they're constantly coming into people's lives, and they are helping, serving, giving, sharing, adding value to others. The third thing Paul says is that People that live a fulfilled life give their concerns to God. They give their worries, their anxieties. In other words, in their life, they understand that they can't carry this. My mother, her favorite verse was the one that Peter teaches us in the Bible when he said, cast all of your anxiety, cast all of your care on God because he cares for you. And and, and Paul says, when you live a fulfilled life, you realize you don't have to carry this. You have a father that you can trust who unconditionally loves you, you, and you pass that on to him. Finally... He says people who live a fulfilled life, they experience the wholeness of God. In other words, they experience all that God has for them. Not in, not in small doses, not in compartments, not in not, not, not dribble. The wholeness of God, they, they experience and they live in that wholeness all the time. Now, look at this. People that are fulfilled, they celebrate God, add value to people, give God their concerns, and experience God's wholeness. How many of you would like to have that kind of fulfilled life, Huh? It's kind of an IQ test, isn't it, huh? I mean, it really is. I mean, of course I would like to live that. And you say, John, how how does this happen? Well, what's incredible, Paul turns right around and says, now let me explain to you in the scriptures how this can be yours. And the good news is this morning, not on this campus, but on all the campuses here at Gateway, the good news is that every one of you can experience the fulfilled life I've just talked about. So look at your neighbor and say, even you can experience this. Go ahead and tell them that. Okay, all right. In fact, look back at him and say, "And it's about time." <laughs> all right. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here, here's okay. Here's what Paul says. We're we're picking up now in verse eight and verse nine. Here's what he says. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you heard, saw, and realized. Do that, and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Wow. When I was growing up, my, my parents paid, I'm the middle child, the three of us, we were paid an allowance to read books, Okay. Uh, my father picked the books out and we were required to read 30 minutes a day. And, and we, so we were paid an allowance to read books and, and my friends, they were all paid allowance to do chores. So I went to my dad one day. I said, you know, all my friends, they get paid to, to do chores and I get paid to read books. But, but I, I think I like this chores thing about being paid to do chores. He said, son, I'm never going to pay you to do chores. He said, I, you, you do chores because you're part of the family and, and I don't pay you to be part of the family. So we, we don't pay each other to be part of the family. He said, let me explain it this way to you. When you were born, you already owed your mother for nine months of room and board. <laughs> so you're already in debt. So, you know, you're, start, you're on the minor side. So just, you know, you know, shut up and take out the garbage. But then he said, but I do put my money where my values are. and My values are in you reading good books. And from the seventh grade on. That's what the three of us did. He put the books in our hands. And one of the books he put in our hands when I was a seventh grader, James Allen's book, As a Man Thinketh. It's a classic. James Allen, James Allen said that the greatest discovery of his generation, he said the greatest discovery of my generation is that people can alter their lives by altering their minds. In other words, James Allen said, when you begin to think right, everything else begins to change. Now, I read that in the seventh grade. By the way, I read that book every year. Every year. And James Allen wasn't the first person that said that you can alter your life by altering your mind. The Apostle Paul right here said, let me explain something to you. If you want to have a fulfilled life, the first thing you do is you start absolutely filling your mind correctly. When I go to the dentist... I wonder if this happens to you out here in Dallas. When I go to the dentist, when I'm done, they always give me dental floss. Do you get dental floss when you go to the dentist? And, and, you know, and they say you know, floss, and I take that dental floss, and I want you to know in a disciplined style of mine, I, I, I dental floss for two days after that. <laughs> now, now, why do you dental floss? Well, you get that, you know, you get that floss in there, and you get all that junk out between your teeth. Now, now that's great for the teeth, but can I tell you something? For the mind, I wish that there, were, I wish there was something called mental floss. Huh? You know what I'm talking about? Where, and I, I wish we had a zipper on our head. Yeah, yeah. And so, that, you know, every morning we get up and we unzip our head and kind of pull that sucker apart and you'd just go in there and just, just get all that stuff out. Of, you know, wouldn't it be great if you could just every day kind of get the? How many of you got some stuff in your mind you'd like to get out? Come on, talk to me, huh? Wouldn't it be great if you could just mental floss your mind every day? Now, you entrepreneurs, I've got a product for you that if you will invent. Trust me on this. If you'll invent this, this will, that you'll make millions. Somebody needs to get, invent what I call sweet spirit spray. Yeah, 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 a, a spray. And you use it on people that don't have a sweet spirit. You follow me? I mean, I mean you know, people with bad attitudes, people that are negative and are thinking, you know, grouches, you know, just kind of grumbling all the time. And, and, and you have the spray, and you, you've got it, and you, and you reach in your pocket, and, and as soon as they start just kind of messing up, negative, you just pull out and you go, psss, pss, pss, and they just start smiling. <sighs> Wouldn't that be a great product? Let me ask you a question. If it was on the market, how many of you would buy some sweet spirit spray? Of course you would, absolutely. Let me ask you another question. Do you already know who you would give it and spend it on? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let me ask you another question. Are you sitting beside that person right now? Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Sometimes, hey, that third question got some of you in trouble a moment ago. You were doing okay on the first two. Now, Paul Paul says, I don't know about the mental floss. I don't know about the sweet spirit spray, but he said, let me give you four things, and that's what we're gonna do now, biblically. Four things, Paul says, that people that have great attitudes possess. All right, let's go. Number one, people with great attitudes, they possess a teachable spirit. And Paul talked about that. He said in verse 9, put into practice what you learned, heard, saw, and realized. In other words, the things I taught you, put it into practice. Now, teachability requires repeated long hard looks in the mirror. Because a teachable spirit means that I am open to criticism, I'm open to correction, I'm open to change. In other words, I look in the mirror and I say, oh, my goodness, I may be the problem. You see, we see people not as they are, we see people as we are. Understand that. And so therefore, if we're not right, the people around us are not right. I love the grandpa who went to sleep... He was visiting the grandchildren. He was taking an afternoon nap. He had a handlebar mustache. He went to sleep on the bed. And One of the grandchildren came in, saw grandpa asleep, thought they would have some fun, got some Limburger cheese, and put it right in his mustache. Just, just stuck it right in his mustache, and he's asleep, and he wakes up. He wakes up, and he starts smelling. Well, he says the bedroom stinks. He went out in the kitchen, and grandma was making cookies for the babies. He got a couple of them, and Got some milk, he started dunking those cookies and, Well you know he said the kitchen stinks too. He said, I'll be back in a moment. Went outside and get a big breath of fresh air anyway. Well he said, The whole world stinks. <laughs> now the whole world didn't stink. The problem is he had Limburger cheese in his mustache. I know people have Limburger cheese in their attitude. And no matter where they go, no hey, no matter where they are, they got problems. Are you with me? I love that expression. It's no matter where you are, there you are. (laughs) And a teachable spirit, a teachable spirit is not only one that that looks in the mirror and says, I could be the problem, but a teachable spirit allows God and allows other people to speak into our lives. When, When I pastored in San Diego i have been there for about 10 years, and, and, uh, and, and I was traveling a lot, and, and the international ministry was getting heavy, and I was writing books, and I was, I was tired, I was worn, and, and one of my huge weaknesses is impatience, and when I'm really tired, I really get impatient, and, 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 and we needed to make two or three decisions, which I usually process through the elders, and I was tired, and, and in a kind of a rash, I just, I just made decisions, I shouldn't have done it, I was wrong, but I made these decisions, and, and, and I said, let's keep moving. And it just threw a curve to the congregation because they had never seen me, you know, not go through the process, and and and, 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 and so they kind of started asking questions. And instead of when they asked questions, they'd be backing off, say, "Oh, shouldn't have done it, my fault." I, I became defensive, and I, I began to look at them and say, well, "Quit complaining. I've been here for ten years. Let's get with it." You know what I mean? I felt like. The children of Israel and Moses, and you know, anyway, you know, when he's they're complaining to Israel and they, you know in the wilderness, and you know, you know why they were complaining for forty years? Don't you think Moses would have liked to have gone back to Pharaoh and and restated this and not said, "Let all my people go." So I was kind of concerned and not happy with the people. And I was in that passage in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, where they were complaining with Moses. And you know the story where the earth opened up and swallowed the complainers? And I thought, oh, oh yes. Oh, God, we need to do this again. And so I prepared a message on it for the people. I was so excited. I'm going to preach a message on, God will swallow you up if you don't straighten. Out. And i just, I mean, I worked on that message and it, I'm telling you, it was good. It was so good. And the next day I looked at it again, I, I can hardly wait for Sunday. I mean, oh, I am going to preach hot and I am going to preach heavy and we're just going to hope for a miracle and the earth, because if the earth will swallow them up, I'll—that oh man, this could not get better. And God spoke to me and said, by the way, John, the message isn't for the congregation. well I ask who's it for (laughs) don't ever ask God that question he said John it's for you you're the problem he said you're the one that's got the attitude wrong I hate that When when my attitude gets a little wrong around the house You know what my wife Margaret does? She never says a word. She just goes to my library, pulls out one of the five attitude books I wrote, (laughs) brings it to me and says, you ought to read this book. (laughs) I hate that. And and God says, John, I want you to know you're the problem. And and, and I said, I'm the problem. Oh, oh, well, okay. Then I said, man, I I got to hurry up. It's Thursday. I got to get another message for Sunday. No, 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 no. He said, preach that one. Preach that one preach it hot, preach it heavy, just preach it like you're going to. And at the end of the message, tell the people it wasn't for them, it's for you. And repent, ask forgiveness, and go to your own altar. (laughs) Jesus, let me ask you a question. I, I know you're coming back. Is there a shot that you're coming back before Sunday? That Sunday, I preached that message, and I asked their forgiveness, and I wept, and they wept with me. It was one of the most beautiful services, and God really, really helped me there. Just help me understand, John. Your problem is you don't have a teachable spirit. Paul said, if you're going to have, if you're going to put good stuff in your mind, you're going to have to let God talk to you. You're going to have to let other people talk to you, and and you're going to have to, you're going to be have to be approachable and not defensive. Number two, he says, take people that have great attitudes, they take responsibility for their attitude. They take responsibility for their attitude. And he tells us, I love this, he tells us how to do this. Look at verse 8. Paul says, first of all, fill your mind on good things. Okay, he says the first thing you do is put good stuff in. You and I have a choice on that, what we put in. Then he says, meditate on good things. In other words, let it marinate in your, in your mind, think it through. And then finally, he says, practice. Three things, fill your mind with the good things, meditate on the good things, practice good things. Now, he said, that's how to take responsibility. You're responsible for what you put in it. You're responsible about how you think about it. And you said, you're responsible to practice it. It's your responsibility. It's not someone else's. I love these people who, you know, have you ever met somebody who was just grumpy? And you said, what's wrong with you? Have you, ever heard of, have you ever heard an adult give you this excuse? Well, I got out of the wrong side of the bed. What a stupid thing to say. I mean, if it was really that easy, I'd send you home. I'd tell you to jump on the bed and roll out on the right side. <laughs> oh, the bologna sandwich story. The, bologna sandwich. the two construction guys looks at his lunch bell. He's just ticked. Bologna sandwich. Again. He says, I hate bologna. Fourth day this week, bologna. I hate bologna. Why do I always have to have a bologna sandwich? In my and he's just going off. And the guy beside him says, hey, come on, guy. Take it easy. Relax. Take a pill. Listen to me. Listen to me. When you go home tonight... Just tell your wife you don't want a bologna sandwich. Explain to her that you would like another. He said, Leave my wife out of it. I make my own sandwiches. (laughs) And most of the bologna that you have in your life, you packed your own lunch. It's your bologna. My name's John, I'm your friend. Paul says, number three, Paul says, the third thing is travel the high road. If you're going to, if you to live a fulfilled life, understand you want to treat people better than they treat you because there's a low road. The low road is where we treat people worse than they treat us. There's a middle road where we treat people the same as we treat, and then there's a high road where we treat people better than they treat us. And you get your choice, you get your choice. And here's what he said. Here, here's what he, he, he teaches us how to do this. I love this phrase that God chooses what we go through and we choose how we go through it. He says, Fill your mind to meditate on the best, not the worst. Oh, that's high road. The beautiful, not the ugly. Oh, that's high road. Things of praise, not things to curse. That's high road. In other words, he says, When things happen to you, you've got a choice. You can either go low, you can go high. And he says, if you'll go high road, you'll begin to live the fulfilled life. And what I've noticed is you can see two people in the same situation, and one's got a good attitude and one's got a bad attitude. And you say, it's not the situation. It's how they respond to it. I love this. I brought it with me. It's a, this is a laminated card. Whenever I laminate something, folks, it's important. I mean, I'm, in fact, if I'd have been Moses going up on Mount Sinai, I'd have laminated the Ten Commandments. I would have put them on stone. Those babies will break. I would have laminated the Ten Commandments. And when I laminate something, I even think it gets holy. That's another story. But I just do. I, and, 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 and this is, we're talking about high road, low road, and how, how people can be in the same home and respond differently. And, and this is an animal story. This is, this, I, I'm going to read you some excerpts from a dog's diary and excerpts from a cat's diary. From the dog's diary, 8 a.m. dog food, (laughs) my favorite thing. 9.30, a car ride, (gasps) my favorite thing. 9.40, a walk in the park, my favorite thing. 10.30, I got rubbed and petted, (laughs) my favorite thing. Noon lunch, (laughs) my favorite thing. 1 p.m., played in the yard, (gasps) my favorite thing. 3 p.m., wag my tail, my favorite thing. 5 p.m., milk bones, my favorite thing. 7 p.m., got to play ball, my favorite thing. 8 p.m., wow, watch TV with the people. (laughs) My favorite thing. 11 p.m., sleeping on the bed, my favorite thing. Excerpts from a cat's diary. Day 983 of my captivity. <laughs> my, my captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangling objects. The only thing that keeps me going is my dream of escape. Isn't that true? Haven't we seen that before, huh? Two to- same home, two totally opposite attitudes. Paul very simply says, okay, if you want to have a great attitude, you want to have a fulfilled life, it's very simple. Possess a teachable spirit. Take responsibility for your attitude. Travel the high road. Number four, understand its value. Understand the value of a great attitude because there's little difference in people, but the little difference makes a big difference. The little difference is attitude, and the big difference is whether it's positive or whether it's negative. And the Apostle Paul says, it is our choice. And then he begins to help us understand the value of a good attitude. And let me say three things in wrapping this up today. One, a good attitude has value at the beginning of a task. Nothing's more important than the attitude when you start something. All is well that begins well. Every surgeon knows that the attitude of the patient is key before surgery. Every coach knows the attitude of the team is very important, before they play ball. Every prof knows the attitude of the students is important before they take the test. Number two, a good attitude has value in the middle of the task. In the middle of the task, we're in the middle of the whole process. Sometimes we get a little tired, a little worn out. What should we do? That attitude makes all the difference in the world. What I have discovered is this. People that have an attitude of gratitude, people that people that appreciate what they have. It may be a little bit, it may be a lot, but they appreciate what they have. Here's what I learned a long time ago. What you appreciate, appreciates. Oh, yeah. And the more you complain, the less you'll obtain. You speak health into your life. You speak good things in your life or you speak bad things in your life. You think good things or you think bad things in your life. And number three, a good attitude has value at the end of the day. When the day is over, all is well that ends well. Let me tell you a story. I wish my dad were here today. He's an amazing man. He's 89 years old. He and mom, mom passed away almost two years ago now, but he and mom had been married for 67 years. But if my dad were here today, um, you would understand what I'm about to tell you. He is the most positive encourager I know. I mean, if he caught you in the lobby, I will promise you in two minutes, you don't want to leave him. I mean, you you just want to stay right there because he'll look into your life and he'll speak good words into your life and he'll talk to you about how wonderful life is and and he's got this enthusiasm, this wonderful positive spirit and this positive attitude. And I'm telling you, he is like like a magnet. People just are drawn to my dad because of this incredible attitude and this incredible spirit of encouragement that he has. And it's contagious and everybody knows it. He told me one time, he said, John, he said, I'm just telling you, he said, isn't it amazing? The the older you get, the more you love people. I said, that's not true. That's not true. I know a lot of people getting older, but they're not getting better. Come on, talk to me, huh? Oh, no, no, they're not getting better. You, you see, my dad's getting better because he's got all this good stuff in him. He's thought, that, he's thought all these So it's true in his life, but, but I said, Dad, that's not true with everybody. In fact, m- maturity doesn't always accompany age. Sometimes age comes alone. I could wait on you. So my dad, after mom died, we said, let's get him in a kind of a total senior citizens care complex you know, be around the medical people. I mean, his health is very good, but we just didn't want him by himself. And so in Winter Haven, Florida, where he, where he lives, they, were just, they were, just, were just building one. And so we, you know, we registered him in there, and, and they accepted him. And, and, and so he would go down, even before they opened, he'd go down every day and see the workers. And so they all knew him. He'd go in and see him, and encourage him. He'd bring him water to drink and sodas to drink, and, and they just all loved him. And, and one day he was talking, he says, you know, the workers and I and all the people, we've all agreed, I'm going to be the first one to move in. Oh, I said, Dad, that's neat. I said, is there a reason you want to be the first one to move in? I said, of course. He said, John, you don't understand. There's a bunch of old people going to come here. <laughs> By the way, my dad's going to live till he dies. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yes. You see, that doesn't happen to most people. Most people die. Most people, they're already dead. They just haven't made it official yet. He said all these old people are going to be coming and he said they're going to be concerned because you know this is a change in their life and and some of them are leaving their family and he said I need to be there first so that I can be at the front door and everybody that moves in I want to be the first to greet them and I want to shake their hand I want to smile and and I just want to tell them that that I love them and I'm glad to have them here and and we'll have a good time and we'll eat together and we'll be friends and he said I just want to I just want to encourage everybody that comes through and sure enough the day it opened he moved in And he has greeted for the last seven months every person that's walked in there. Hi, my name is Melvin Maxwell, and I just want you to know we're going to be friends, and it's going to be okay. Listen, my friend. How can a person at 89 feel like that, live like that, talk like that, believe like that? I can tell you for 89 years, he's put good stuff in. And he knows if you put good stuff in long enough, when people come up and squeeze you, good stuff comes out. So my message is very simple. Put some good stuff in. Do what Paul says. And just when you walk through people and they bump you, just let the good stuff squeeze out on them. And be an incredible salt and light and witness for the Lord. Because your attitude will determine your altitude. Thank you so much. God bless you. I'll see you at the back. Have a good day.